You're listening to Save Yourself, conversations, ideas, and strategic thinking with the four founders of Unlimit Wealth. Join us for discussions, debates, and strategies that have brought them and their clients financial freedom and how you too can break free from traditional boundaries to unlimit your wealth. Welcome everybody to Save Yourself Podcast brought to you by Unlimit Wealth. Today I'm sitting here with my mate, Mike Schwally. What's up, John? And our special guest, Mr. Jay Benoit. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for being here. A little bit about Jay. Uh, You've been in commercial real estate for 23 years. Well, I'll say residential real estate, but yeah, 23 years. Sorry. I don't know why I said Maybe our last podcast, that was commercial. But you've been doing uh, residential real estate for over 20 years. And from the best I can tell, you've kind of done it all. Everything from fix and flips, turnkeys, lending, the full nine. Property yeah. management. Yeah, everything except for a new build. I've never done a new build. I've no interest in doing, it, doing that. Uh, really don't do a lot of wholesale either, but everything else. Yeah. yeah. And then we met in 2015. Um, what right. br- And actually what brought you to us was the infinite banking concept. It was, yeah. It was a referral from somebody who used to work in your office, and uh, they said that I should take a look at this insurance thing. They really didn't have a lot of information on it or a concept of it, how to explain it. But they said, uh, talk to John and he can help you understand better what it is. And so that's what started our conversation. Awesome. Actually, I want to back up a little bit and a little bit about you. I mean, in in working with you this long, we know you're extremely detail oriented when it comes to your financial planning. uh, Very thorough, which in my opinion, working with you sets you apart. Um, but would you tell us about kind of about your background, you know, growing up as an expatriate in Egypt? Oh of, yeah. So we're going there. Um, <laughs> start from the beginning. Start from the beginning. Yeah. I got ahead of us. Uh, yeah. So I grew up in Egypt. I grew up there when I was five months old. I moved to Egypt from the States and went, uh, there K through 12, pretty much uh, ninth grade. I did spend a year in Oxford, Mississippi while my mom got her master's degree in, um, education working back in the States during that year. But um, after I graduated, I went to school at Alabama and um, was there for five football seasons. You can't go to Alabama for less than five football seasons. It'd be a crime if you missed one. That's right. And unfortunately, I didn't have the good, uh, the good years. We had the Mike coaching carousel, mm. uh, so it was, it was not as good. But we did one, one pretty good year with Stallings taking us to the SEC championship game. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's kind of what my upbringing was. Um, were you wondering about something specific in Egypt or? No, didn't you have a, you're expatriate? Yeah. 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 I'm not an Egyptian. I'm, I'm American. Um, yeah. So. <laughs> you are an American. <laughs> Thank goodness. Uh, I think where we were going was like, can you talk about um, how potentially being an expat growing up there, how it gave you a broader view of the world and finances? Oh yeah, sure. Um, so obviously, yeah, I'm growing up in a country that I don't belong in, um, so to speak, uh, even though I grew up there and it was what I knew and what I was comfortable with and what I understood. Um, coming back to the States to me was very different because I didn't grow up here. Mm-hmm. And so um, understanding how to to work with people and understanding culture and understanding how to value an individual from what they want to be valued at is where I had to really kind of... Um, honed my skills as a as a kid growing up but um from a financial perspective you know I, it it was different growing up over there because 
and even today, it's very cheap. We, we just went this past summer to, to Cairo and to Egypt for um, about two weeks. And so took the family. And, 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 and today it's even cheaper than it used to be when I lived there. So it's very, very inexpensive to go and to, to live and to be an expat and to um, do your daily activities. But if you live there, it's very difficult to find a job and to to deal with the day-to-day expenses, similar to like a working class individual in the States today, but it's, it's much more difficult for them in the third world country. Um, but I will say the one thing that I learned while I was over there, everything is a market, uh, you know, mm-hmm. everywhere in the world, everything's a market. So in the States, it's become like you go to the grocery store and the price is fixed and you say, okay, I'm going to buy this milk. And, and that's the price. There's no, yeah. there's no discussion, mm-hmm. right? But anywhere else in the world, just about, well, not anywhere, but maybe second and third world countries, it's a discussion. Like mm-hmm. you don't have to pay exactly that if you don't want to pay that. <laughs> you can figure out a way to make it work. And so- one of the skills that I really honed into um, while I was there was how to negotiate, how yeah. to how to haggle, mm-hmm. um, how to figure out how, how do I get something for less than what somebody wants to sell it to me for. So, I, I guess that's from a financial perspective. That's what I learned and how I how I was able to develop those skills when I was there. Awesome. Well, kind of back to real estate. What got you into it? What what led you into that journey? Um, well, I've always kind of had a little bit of a knack to fixing things. Um, I've always been like a fixer, um, just building things at the house when I was a kid, uh, projects, um, what have you. And um, when I got to Alabama and I was going through school with an international finance major in economics, I um, I, t- I told my parents, if you all would lend me some money, I'll go buy this house. I'll fix it up and I'll rent it out to my buddies and I'll live for free. And they just kind of laughed at me. I don't blame them, right? I mean, I would have done the same thing if I was in their shoes sure. talking to my 18-year-old son who really had nothing to show at the point, you know? Um, but I would have probably started earlier had I had the ability to. And I didn't even think about it. I could have gone to the bank. That's when they were giving money out to anybody that could have fog a mirror. But I just I just didn't go that route. Um, what kind of triggered me to look at real estate really was that my parents, although my mom was a teacher at our school and my dad was a, a manager in the um, business that he was overseas with, um, they would come back to the States every summer and they would buy real estate. They would buy commercial. And so um, every year they'd buy one building, maybe another building. And, and so slowly they just kind of built up this nice little portfolio of real estate, commercial real estate in the downtown sector where we had our summer home. And, um, I was able to watch that as we would go back every summer and we had to go do things for the properties, whether it's, you know, the air conditioner was leaking or the roof was leaking or, you know, whatever it may be as a kid, you're just kind of watching. Um, but I was also watching the the financial statements and like looking at their bank statements saying, okay, you, you bought this for half a million dollars or whatever it was. And then... Next year, we'd look at it again, and now you owe 450 you know? And then I realized, okay, so five years later, you got to refinance. And then, you know, I just kind of was exposed to all of that, and I just watched and listened, and that's really opened up my in my interest, uh, which also led me down the path of not wanting to go commercial, more sticking to the residential side of things, because I felt like everybody has to have a place to live, but you don't have to have a place to, to work. And so... That was my idea, my, my thought process, and, and it's been my career path for the last 20-plus years. Yeah, and you know, we we work with a large number of real estate investors, and everybody kind of has a, a different starting point. What was kind of yours? How did you get into the game early on? And Yeah, a little bit of a sad story, I suppose. Um, my dad passed away when I was in college, and so I received some um, 
some inheritance and some life insurance money and so forth. So one of the things that I did get was a couple pieces of land that they had purchased and they were going to build property on that land and obviously never came to fruition. So I had this land. I didn't want it. I didn't want to live in this, this town. And so, um, I very first deal I ever did, I did a 1031. Um, and wow. so I swapped this property out to another property. I was able to buy in Atlanta, Georgia. And, um, you know, I was just, you know, all red, young guns, um, zero to 50 in 20 seconds, you know, let's go. You guys know my personality. You've seen mm-hmm. it. Um, so yeah, I just went out and did it and made a lot of mistakes and, and, you know, paid the price for that. But, um, you, you can't make money on everything, obviously. And I didn't know what I was doing and didn't know what I didn't know. So I, I paid some money, uh, for my, my hard knocks university there, but yeah, yeah that's the first one. So you, you know, part of your story, you were working in Atlanta newly, well, <clears throat> you know, I, wasn't, almost, I wasn't married just yet, yet at that point. And so you're working for a large corporation uh, that we all know and doing, that was your full-time job. Full-time job. You know, for the listeners out there who are trying to do what you, to do what you've done, which is, you know, work, which is control their time and not necessarily, some of them don't want a W-2. How did, like, what would you tell somebody who is working a full-time job while trying to build up that? that portfolio or that passive income. I mean, that's, that's not easy to do, right? It, it can definitely be difficult. Um, and everybody's different. I mean, so it's hard to give a blanket statement that says sure. this is the avenue, but, um, you know, I would say find something that you're good at and that you enjoy doing and, and work on that and build it up into something that's more at some point, which you could pivot at that point. Your, your, your career path is always going to be a pivot. It's never a straight line. I mean, back in the day when you know, our grandparents maybe worked for AT&T for 50 years. That was the last straight line we ever saw. And yeah. I don't know that we're ever going to see that again. Um, I think that people are going to have to be flexible. Um, you know, even today, the markets have have changed up a little bit. And I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, how am I going to buy and how am I going to sell? Who, you know, the book, Who Moved My Cheese? You got to adapt. <laughs> you got to you got to figure out where am I going next to make this work? And so you've always got to be on your toes and you got to be creative and you got to be innovative and and, and make it work. But but do something you like, you know, find it, find that thing that, that interests you. Spend a couple hours a week, maybe a few more and build up is all, is all I can say. It takes patience it takes too. a lot of patience. You know, one, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry. One, one thing that I may have kind of changed it, but I feel like something that I heard you say that I borrowed when I'm talking to my children, which is that life is a game. Learn the rules, Learn and, the rules and try to have fun. Yeah. Because you can't, you can't check out. Can't check out. Uh, so thank you for that one. I yeah. don't think that they really like hearing that. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, a 12 and 8-year-old like, wow, deep thoughts. My yeah. dad, they're. <laughs> rules is a bad word yeah. to them. No, it's, it's real. I mean, you got to know, you know, you can't affect everything in the world. You can't change everything in the world. And obviously the government's going to put what they want to put in place. But any kind of rules that are in there and in place, they're all, they're all suggestions in my opinion. And so. You like the rules you like, and you don't the ones you don't, and you just make it work how you need to in between. Well, I remember you, you touched on it. You said you, you're an action taker, and you take action. You know, back in 2015 when we started talking with you, you started you took action pretty quickly, relatively speaking. I mean, there was an education process, and you understood it. But what what kind of clicked for you? What what was it your aha moment with the infinite banking, and and what made oh, you kind of get going? It didn't take much at all. I mean, I read the the, the beautiful old black book that we all love to refer to, uh, "Becoming Your Own Banker" by Nelson Nash, and a simple read through that, I was sold. And then I had to really work on selling my wife. That was the hard part, you mm-hmm. know. And 
Um, another book you gave me too is the farming book. I, I can't remember the name of that book, but that was really good. Almost even clearer to, to explain to people. Yeah. Um, but, um, but yeah, I just, I, it just seemed to make a lot of sense. You know, as I mentioned, I have a finance and, and economics study background in, in college and, and that's the way my brain works. And so when I saw all these things put in place, it, it just, it just appeared like I didn't have to really think about this too much. Um, I think the bottom line for a lot of people is you've got to have two avenues in life of income. One's going to be a, a, a very active pass, uh, active um, form of income, and then one's going to be a passive form of income. So that's how you're really going to get wealthy. You're going to, you're going to generate lots of opportunity with that. The active could be you know a W-2. It could be uh, any kind of job that anybody has. But the past is going to be something that's a little bit more relaxed and you're not heavily involved. It could be a, a rental property or more. Or it could be you know, a side hustle that you've got or something else like that. That's just trickle, money's trickling in outside of that. And being able to marry those two together and being able to put them inside the life insurance policies, that's where the magic is. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, if you can just do the math and you can figure out how much assets or how many assets do I have? What's my potential net worth? you know, the answer really needs to be, how do, how do I get that inside of a life insurance policy? Mm-hmm. Because then it really explodes. Yeah. And well, it just takes time. Real estate, business, whatever it is. Whatever it is. It doesn't right. matter. One of the things that we, that we talk about a lot with um, clients and people that are pursuing learning about infinite banking is that we're not here to change what you're doing in, in your process, whether it's your real estate strategies, the way you do it. We're not here to try to tell you how to do it different. We we just know and believe that infinite banking is a, a tool to enhance what you're already doing. Yeah. How, for, you know, with your experience, what are some features or things about it that you feel like have enhanced, you know, what you were going to do anyway, which is take down a whole bunch of real estate deals. Sure. Yeah. So it started, um, obviously very, um, simple, very slow because the policies start very simple and slow. You can't, you can't just all of a sudden dump a a whole bunch in this thing and just expect it to start working. Like I said, it takes time for it to mature and you start with one typically. And so then you got to go to another one and you got another one. So we, we started with one and, um, we had the property, um, acquisition opportunities going. So we, we already had a funnel of inventory. What I would basically say, I'll get this property under contract and I'll go talk to a um, lender Joe, and I'll say, lender Joe, I need to borrow X number of dollars to purchase this property and rehab this property and then sell this property. I'll give you back some interest and I'll give you back your principal. And so the, the very simple answer for me was to, how do I get rid of investor Joe on this particular deal, borrow from my policy and um, pay myself back the interest and just accumulate what I would have accumulated anyway. So I, it's just a very quick turn. The only difference for me was I had to change how I was working and using my money. So it, yeah, it's not a change in how you're doing your business, but you do have to have a process change sure. and a pretty much a mental change on what you're thinking about where your money is. You can't think about, well, I'm, I'm spending X number of dollars on my annual premium or my monthly premium and it being an expense. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not an expense. You know, you're just putting it into your account, which AKA your bank account. That's a great point. Yeah. Now, uh, personally speaking, uh, this hits home for me. I'm trying to teach my daughters a lot about finance and, and how to handle money. They're still a little young, but we've got some around the same age. What's, what's your goal in that world? Uh, whether real estate, IBC, whatever it comes in, how, how do you teach the next generation? 
I'm about wealth. Just getting started. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's a delicate line there too, because you, you start telling your kids what to do or how to do something. They can turn off very quickly. Um, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, they can. <laughs> You're just that dad, you know. You know, they don't care. No. They know more than you. Um, so had that, had that conversation this morning, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so it's very slow, and it's a drip, and it's probably not going to really sink in until their mid twenties, maybe. And they're like, "Oh, I remember something about that," you know. And um, they probably won't give you credit for saying it, but it, it's it's today we're starting our policies for for the kids, and so we are going to be getting multiple policies for them. And that's going to fuel various things, including their car, their first time vehicle that they take to, to college, um, potentially some of their college education. Um, the goal for me is to get all that back in there so that when they become about 25 ish, um, they will have a pretty substantial amount of money to either go buy their house outright or put a very large amount of money down on a property that they want to buy. But you've got to coach them on how to make an investment. And and I will talk to them today. Like, so if I just gave you $300,000 or you earned $300,000 or you inherited $300,000 or $300,000 from whatever, what would you do with it? You know, and, and listening to their responses um, is fun. And and I'm, sometimes I just straight up tell them, no, you know, you can't do that uh, because that is a complete waste of money. You know, you're, you won't have it. And here's why. And then, and I can do it when they're together because I have two children. And so it's fun because one will hear an answer the other one says, and then we'll have a little bit of a back and forth. And they kind of are now understanding what I'm fishing for when I start saying something and what I'm looking for them to, to, to bring to the table. That's a good exercise. I'm going to try that. Yeah. Yeah. Give it a whirl. Yeah. That's I hope good. it works for you. Well, and, I, and you're right. I mean, I started my daughter's policies eight, nine years ago. And if they're listening, they, they're finding out for the first time they even have them. We haven't even told them what they have and what they will have. And you're right. When they get to an age that I feel comfortable, my wife and I feel comfortable to pass that on to them, we'll have yeah. that discussion. Yeah. And if they're not ready at 25, they don't get it. They don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> I own it. I control it. You control it. That's exactly. Right. Yeah. I'll still grow it. You That's know, right. I'll still do what they're supposed to do, but they got to, they got to show, um, some maturity and mm -hmm. some um, responsibility on how to invest and how to do things. Mm -hmm. And I won't be around to see the the generational growth of it and see what happens, but it is a good feeling deep down knowing. Yeah. But you can you can start yours, you can start your children's, and you can start your children's children's. That's right. And then hopefully it continues. That's right. That was really one of Nelson Nash's biggest, one of the things he hit on and hit on here in Birmingham with us as he was mentoring us was that, Hey, all this is for not, if you're, if, if the next generation does not, are not equipped right. and understand this, then, you know, it's not going to, it's not going to make it from the shoulder past the head to the other shoulder. It won't go. Yeah. Unfortunately, the whole family has to buy in mm -hmm. and if they don't, it destroys the opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. The, the stats about money evaporating as it's inherited, as it goes down through generations is just staggering. Yeah. I mean, even if it doesn't happen past, my children's age, they'll do well. They'll inherit a lot of money and they'll probably have a great party or whatever they want to do to burn it, but they could do better, you know, mm -hmm. and their kids and their kids' kids. And it, and it just, I mean, nonprofits, all the good things that can be done from that, it, it's, it'd be unfortunate to, to waste the opportunity. Well, you're doing the right thing and the way you're talking about it. I think some of it's their age. I, I struggle as a parent knowing like what to drip, to try to equip and teach them and, and, and ha what kind of doses as well, because they can only handle so much of mom yeah. and dad. Oh yeah. Very minimal. Right. <laughs> Short little bursts yeah. and then get out of the room. That's yeah. right. In working together all these years, uh, you've really 
shown kind of your roadmap or your vision and, you know, your, how you spreadsheet out. I mean, how far out, how many years have you spreadsheeted your, your life? hundred. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just don't run across, we don't run across. <laughs> you say that's people. a matter of fact. Yeah. yeah. I yeah, love it. Yeah. And I would say I've never met anyone who's done that, okay. which is makes you unique for sure. My point is you're very thorough and very intentional about everything you're doing. What do you think IBC adds? Like you're, you know, again, we're here to just enhance what a real estate, for instance, a real estate investor mm. is already doing. Um, as you're on your, your, you know, living out your vision into the future, you know, what do you think IBC adds to, to what you're going for? Oh, dude, it's um, a game changer night and day. I mean, it's, it's so, so much of an ad. Um, I remember actually leaving your office one time with Heather, my wife, and one of the first few meetings we had been discussing things, it was definitely first year. I, I can't remember when, but um, I remember saying to her after that meeting, um, I think we have just left the real estate business and we've entered the insurance business. Or the I banking said, business. The banking business. Yeah, I should say that. Go. The banking business. That's right. Um, because, you know, to me, real estate has never been a love. It's fine. It's good. But it's just a vehicle. It's an opportunity to get me what I need to get and go to the next opportunity. Um, and it still will be part of the cog, part of the whole machine. But the the life insurance, the whole life insurance policy, the being my own banker suggestion um, it really has opened up so much more than I could have ever done on, on my own. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I can't even explain any other way than that. It's, it's just so invaluable. You got to be in it to feel it and know it. Yeah. You got to experience yeah, it. You got to do it. You're right. The, the compounding interest alone, if anybody doesn't know what that is, they need to go research that. And if they don't feel like that's an action to call you guys or read a book, I don't, I don't know what would do it otherwise. Yeah, you know, a lot of I think as Americans, we we our ability to think long range generally is is not so good. We're not too good at that. You're an exception to the rule. It also what what you're talking about brings a question that we talk about a good bit is like if you're you know one of the reasons for this the the unlimited wealth save your podcast is so Jay Benoit does not have to explain this concept and system to his friend. You can just say hey go listen to these podcasts or watch these videos and get, and people get really good education. But prior to having that resource, what, and you're trying to explain it to somebody because you believe it could benefit them. What do you think most people's hurdles are or what they, maybe they just can't get over about it. If you notice any as you, cause you, you've, you've shared with plenty. I've shared with a lot of people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's fascinating because I've shared with people who I know have a larger wealth portfolio than I do. And I've shared with people who are older than I am and younger than I am and people who have just started and don't have the wealth. And there's no pattern. There's none at all. None. It's not like, you know, only- I'm glad the, you said it. Yeah, <laughs> it makes me feel better. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like only the wealthy who have been around 50 years on this world know, can figure it out. It, yeah. it, it is nothing like that. Because I, I know people that have been over 50 and have generated lots and lots of wealth and have been like, nah, I don't, I don't see the point. I don't see the purpose. I don't see the value. And I'm like just jaw dropped, and I'm I'm not going to try to challenge them. Right. Just, you, yeah. know, you don't see it, you don't see it. Sorry, right. you know. But um, I've had folks that were three years out of college and had no real money to speak of, other than a little bit here and there, just enough to get started, kind of thing. And they saw it, and they read the book one time, and they jumped all over it. So I I really have no formula to give you. I I don't know. 
that's uh, that's totally okay and we we can't we can't define it either so yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we get it in 17 18 years i agree it everyone you know it, it is different it is unique it is not what the mainstream are doing and so it's interesting to see what what you know little hurdles people have to get over to take action yeah and it's sounds like it's across the board it must be a mental thing yeah well, man, you, Ed Jay, you're, you're one of the most successful guys I know, not just financially, but successful in life. And, and, uh, one of the questions we'd like to ask our guests to kind of wrap up with is, you know, how would you define success today? And second part of, you know, or maybe even lead with where, how would you define it 15, 20 years ago when you first got started? Yeah. Sure, sure, sure. And, and, and this is, um, this is fun. As I was saying earlier, I've been running a lot lately and I've been thinking about some of this kind of stuff in my runs. Because as I am getting older, I'm mid-40s now, um, I have a, a couple of years to look back at and, and kind of measure myself and figure out where am I looking backwards versus looking forwards as far as a measurement. And um, I've, I've changed as a person from my 30s to my 20s to my teens. And so as I start to reflect on those years and who I was and what I, what I wanted and, and my goals and various things... I think, especially also being a father, you know, you, you, you're not a father at one point and you are a father and then they get older. And so you, you kind of go through the transition with your children as well. But I feel like you have a point in life that you're supposed to do whatever it is you're supposed to do. So in the twenties, go have fun. You know, what, what's holding you back, yeah. you know, <laughs> enjoy your life. Cause that's when you have really no responsibility and not much liability and, it's a good time for most people, not everybody, but most people. Um, and so I didn't have a lot of goals. I didn't have a lot of, you know, hey, this is what success looks like for me when I was 20. I thought maybe just getting a job, you mm-hmm. know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you get a job and you're like, boy, this was not what I wanted. <laughs> 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 um, and so, you know, then you hop in your 30s and maybe you're you're starting to have some, um, your family's being developed. You might have a wife you, or, or a spouse, you might have some children. Um, and so for me, that's when the engine was turned on hard because I realized it's not just me. This is not just a cheap rodeo anymore. This is getting expensive and I've got to start bringing in some money to be able to provide for my full life as well as for, you know, these children to go to college and do what they need to do as well. So for me, success was to be, you know, be on fire, work hard, don't stop, just go, 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 burn yourself out as much as you can. And then now in the 40s, where I'm able to just kind of back off the gas a little bit, it's more about the quality of life. Um, less is more, essentially. And so as I dial back what I've been doing and building and, and growing over the past 20 plus years, um, I'm getting more refined and efficient in my processes and my ways. And how do I figure out I've done so well with what I've got, how do I take it and perhaps put it into the banking and um, make the money work for me versus me work for the money? And so that's my, my definition of success. How can I do what I want to do when I want to do with whom I want to do it with? And if I can say yes to all of those things, and I'm living a great life, and right now I'm feeling pretty good. It's fantastic. Well said, man. Love it. Awesome. Thanks for your time. Yes. Yeah, thank you. Really thank good. You for coming. Thank we really you. appreciate it. You've been listening to Save Yourself, conversations, ideas, and strategic thinking with the four founders of Unlimit Wealth. To learn more about Unlimit Wealth or to make a personal appointment, visit us online at unlimitwealth.com.